Hello. So you all sent me so many comments about the Ballerina Farm episode that I had to do another one. I just had to. Some of you had never heard of her before. You're welcome. Sorry you just lost 10 hours of your life that you're never going to get back. Oops. And a lot of you had heard of her, but you just like didn't know how to feel, which is how I feel about her. And so today I'm actually going to call Gwyneth and we're going to going to work through all of those all of those feels that we all get from looking at the Ballerina Farm account. A lot of you also asked me about the other things the Ballerina Farm sells besides Willa, the $89 sourdough starter, which I haven't bought, but I thought about it. I did. I really did. Except for my friend Steven, who I'm going to see this weekend, he makes a badass sourdough, and I think I'm just going to get his sourdough starter instead of buying Willa. Or I could buy Willa and blind taste test them. But yes, the Ballerina Farm does sell other things. You can get a set of copper cups for about $32. Uh, I've seen similar ones at, at the dollar store, at the Dollar General, uh, by me up in the Catskills. You can get a wooden spatula that is specifically tailored to mix your Willa sourdough starter for $17. There is also a walnut cutting board for $69. You get the gist. These are a lot of things that I also saw when I was traveling around the country going to the Laura Ingalls Wilder gift shops. It's a brand, and now it is something of an empire. And I, I look at Ballerina Farm like she's a little bit pioneer woman, Reed Drummond meets Laura Ingalls Wilder with the personality of Emily in Paris, and then just like a, a seasoning of black swan for good measure. And speaking of Laura Ingalls Wilder, Wilder, this reminds me of what Glynis and I also discovered when we were out there reporting on the Wilder podcast. Prairie life nostalgia is currently big business. It's huge fucking business. In fact, I did a whole episode of Wilder about the business of Laura Ingalls Wilder and how people are buying into Prairie Life Nostalgia, which is, I think, Ballerina Farm's whole allure. I mean, she is the epitome of this longing for a way of life that seems simple and beautiful, but in reality is hard and impossible for people who are not very, very wealthy, like Hannah Nealman and her husband. Farmers in this country are suffering, especially small farmers, and I really do think that Ballerina Farm does a disservice to them to make what she is doing look so easy. I also wonder why we seem so nostalgic for this kind of life to begin with. Like, do, do you actually want to get up at 4 a.m. And, and milk a fucking cow? Have you ever milked a cow? I milked a cow one time, and that cow pooped in my face, spit in my eye, and then I couldn't even get the milk out of, out of the nipple. And I felt guilty for milking, for, for milking her. I vowed in that moment to never milk anything but myself. And I'm not even going to do that again. I'm done. Done with milking. Done with it. And on that note, I'm going to call Glennis. Call him the Glennis. Okay. Hi. Hi. I miss your face. I know. Uh, so welcome to the new improved uh, version of Under the Influence. I am making it myself. We are free from the shackles <laughs> of corporate America. 
And, uh, you know, I just I think it's better than ever. And I'm happy that you're here. I'm excited for you. I think this is great. Well, and so today, this week, we talked about an account, an Instagram account called Ballerina Farm. When your newsletter came through, I was like, anytime I see something, what does she have, like 6 million followers? 6.4 million followers. Yeah. So when I see something like that and I'm like, I've, I've never heard of this person, um, then I'm like, which I always think is interesting that we can exist in such um, siloed worlds that somebody could have that many followers and I'm <laughs> completely oblivious to their existence. So I clicked through and I was like, this just looks like um, Little House on the Prairie wealth porn. Yes, thank you. It is Little House on the Prairie LARPing for rich people is what I think it is. Let's see. I haven't heard that word in a while. <laughs> yeah. For, for our audience members who don't know what a good LARP is, it's a live action role play. Yeah. That is, it is totally. And listen, I, as you know, I'm not against Little House role play for an eight-year-old with like clothes that your mother made from the quilt. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I mean, I literally looked at that and I was like, it looks I mean, I haven't seen all of Yellowstone, but I was watching a little bit of On the Plane. And it, it is that wealthy Western fantasy that has so, I mean, it's so much money. Like the money was just like oozing out of. And then I thought it was fascinating that you said she'd been a ballerina. Like what a yeah. bizarre. It feels like she's a creation of. Like V.C. Andrews is too dark, but she does feel like a creation of a book, like a fiction book that you buy in the airport and be entirely consumed by on your flight. Yes, but with more sex. The book would have the book would have more sex and less yes. Jesus. I do have to say, you're right. Ballerina Farm feels so intensely inspired by Laura Ingalls Wilder and this nostalgia for prairie life and prairie mm -hmm. stuff. She sells an $89 sourdough starter. I mean, again, it's like it's the fantasy of Little House, almost like the television show, right? Where you can see mm -hmm. the fantasy and everyone's beautiful and their skin is glowing and there's none of the smells or the reality or the actual outhouse experience. Like it's literally the you've just peeled off the facade and placed it on modern living. Imagine how much money you would have to have to look like that plus employ all of that child care does she ever take photographs of her child care no no i have not seen photographs of her child care that leads me into this other part of this that i want to talk to you about she has inspired dozens maybe maybe even up to a hundred reddits and subreddit where people just critique her life her lack of child her lack of showing child care and but the the thing that seems to make people the angriest on on these reddits and by the way there's also a reddit that you're going to you're going to love this I, I went deep onto reddit today um there okay. is a reddit called utah influencer drama <laughs> okay. yep just 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 a whole reddit dedicated to utah influencer drama and then another reddit called farm slash ranch slash slash homestead snark oh my god i mean people have too much fucking time on their hands but all of the criticisms are i love her content 
but it feels like none of this is real. Oh my gosh, you know they have so much money. They have so much money. Why do they pretend they don't have money? Her audience, her 6.4 million followers, are obsessed with how rich they are. To me, what's interesting is the question of, is this real? At this point, I have to think that we all must operate from a baseline of nothing on Instagram is real. Like if you're still operating mm-hmm. with the question of is this is is this real, then the look inward, right? <laughs> like that's that's not that's that is a naivete that I think is you you have to answer for yourself. But it just when you said that, it makes me think like the one thing Gwyneth Paltrow should get credit for is she never pretends that she doesn't have money. She doesn't hide her no. money. She's like, I'm so wealthy. You should be wealthy too. Why is it I'm so wealthy. wealthy? I could buy you. I just, she would just like look you right in the eye and be like, I could buy your ass. It's sort of a little nefarious to have that much money and make everything look that beautiful and then make people question whether you have money because that's just an the fast track to making people feel even shittier about themselves than they normally do going on social media. These Reddits are proving that this account and God, God bless her. Right. Like I try not to be too judgmental. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, I don't love ballerina farms content because I think it just shows that our culture is still incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It shows that our culture still fetishizes a certain kind of woman and mother that I do not think is healthy for any of us to have shoved in our faces. And she has so many followers that I think she has to be held accountable for her words and her actions, because that is a lot of influence. But what I am finding amazing is just how much time and energy a lot of people are devoting to picking her life apart i mean one of my one of my favorite lines on this reddit is these are wealthy children of influence cosplaying as poor farmers who can't afford a rug it just makes me think like we're in the high school lunchroom and like the popular table of heathers is in the middle of the lunchroom and everyone else is sitting on the side table sort of like talking about them right it's it's not i mean you know this from covering gossip for so long this just feels like she she knows what she's doing. Her goal is to, I mean, if she's this wealthy, then what is the narcissism vacuum here that's, you know, she's striving to fill? Because if they are, this isn't, you know, like so many of the influencers we spoke to on under the influence of like, oh, this is how I'm making extra money. This is how I'm supporting the kids. There's no other way to have like flexible hours and bring income in. Like this is a wealthy person performing something a fantasy it's a wealthy person performing a fantasy right and and making people feel inadequate from it which feels sort of similar to royalty i guess that's what that's their function Mm -hmm. um (laughs) influencers the new american royalty totally totally and also ballerina farm is such a bizarre name because it when i first saw that name in in the newsletter i really thought like is this like a ballerina training camp? A farm that grows ballerinas. But yeah, I just, I think after, after ha- we spent so much time with Laura Ingalls Wilder doing the Wilder podcast and talking about the false nostalgia of the prairie and farm life and how life on the prairie and in Laura Ingalls Wilder's times were act- was, was actually terrible and hard and oftentimes 
filthy and disgusting and tragic and and just i don't understand when i don't i don't understand the continuation of the false nostalgia for this kind of life it's like what are we actually craving we're actually craving some connection to the land we're actually craving some connection to each other in real life maybe um i think there is a sort of nefarious undercurrent that connects us to the trad wife movement of a lot of people are craving women taking up less space in problematic ways. Um, I mean, she is the epitome of, you know, the Stepford wife goes to the prairie, I guess, is what, yeah. how that strikes me. But yeah. Um, well, and, but on why, and on Wilder, we talked about why people are are after this kind of false narrative this false nostalgia and i think it's because we really just we're all we're hungry for community we're hungry for connection we're hungry for something that seems nicer and prettier and better and easier than the world that we're living in which is so ironic it's like easier i mean as we know the back breaking labor that caroline ingles had to put in every day when she was living in a hole in the ground beside a creek is so overwhelming and the lack of antibiotics so it's such a fantasy but i think there is some element of like getting off to like of real life like you're craving real life as as Mm. defined by this fantasy there is some element of i'd like fresh air and to see nature yes and to move my body as i hear sirens behind you yeah (laughs) in your gritty gritty urban life (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's such, but it's also such a white fantasy, right? It's so. Totally. This, this is, I'd be curious to know the breakdown of those 6 million followers. That's the truth. I would actually, I would love to see a breakdown of those 6 million followers. And I would also love to know, to know how much money she's made from Willa, the sourdough starter, because you know what? I almost bought it. I almost bought it. I don't know oh. why. I don't know why. I'm always curious when people of enormous wealth feel the need to be startup business people because we both know that's exhausting. So there's, um, I don't know that ego is the right word because everyone has ambition, but it is a curious thing to be this ambitious and, and for no other reason than ambition's sake or attention because you're clearly, the bills are paid. Well. The bills are paid. Paid. The bills are paid. It feels like it feels like a a, a love and a desire for attention. It really, it yeah. genuinely does. Uh, I would. I was. I was doing an interview last night with um, the Washington Post about influencers and mom influencers. I did it at eight thirty after I had two of three children put to bed, and I I was beat, man. But. One of the things that came to me when I was giving that interview is that, you know, I covered the rise of reality television stars 12 years ago. And I think that this, we're in the same place with, with influencers and particularly mom influencers. I saw reality stars as the punchline of the joke. And then I saw them dominate television. And then I saw people finally going after them with a critical eye because they were mainstream. And we... At first, mom influencers were a joke, and then people took them seriously because it is a multi-billion dollar industry. And now people are finally looking at them a little more critically. Uh, and so 
I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next in this industry because it's only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My other thought is that if you talked to any farmer who is a farmer today who is doing actual farm work, they're going to tell you their life looks fucking nothing like her Instagram page. Their life looks like her life looks like farming the way our lives look like. a, a like a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers musical in New York City. Like it, the disconnect's pretty huge. I think our lives do look like a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers musical in New York City. <laughs> exactly. Do. I don't know why I was using that analogy. I mean, I think at the end of, at the end of the day, Ballerina Farm is totally harmless. I just find I find it such a fascinating cultural moment that this is a this is a thing a brand that has 6.4 million followers americans are clearly hungry for something and i don't know what it is and that's well that's what i want to get to the bottom of. right i think but i mean i think it's right there in the sort of the, the irony or the dichotomy maybe um of like this online digital fantasy that has no connection to reality and is completely in every way imaginable separate from those six million followers is fulfilling a fantasy of reality and connection. Like, it's a complete, there's an irony there. It's a complete contradiction. But, you know, it sort of makes me think of, if you ever watch soap operas in in Britain, it's all like poor, unhappy people who are not terribly good looking. And then you look at soap operas in the States and it's all about uber wealthy, beautiful people. It's like Americans just love wealth and beauty and she's feeding it to them in a way that like also allows them to fantasize about being in the air and the outside yeah so i do think that there is a false there's a false fantasy that people think they would enjoy yeah doing this kind of work and make no mistake it is work it is labor i have we i had to stack stack wood at the cabin uh because we (laughs) We ordered. We got a dumpster to get rid of all the in, the gross squirrel poop filled insulation that was in the garage. I mean, you're uh, living closer to the real version of this life than I will ever come to. That I do. For sure. I do. Yeah. And um, so a dumpster came, but I decided because I'm cheap and because I, you know, I'm very efficient. I asked uh, John, who who owns the dumpster, if he could fill it with firewood because John is also the firewood guy. And then we would have the firewood and then put the dirty insulation in the dumpster. Uh, and so, yeah, he just he just dropped off like two years worth of wood. And I had to stack that wood. And by me, I mean, I didn't really I didn't do most of it. Nick did it. But it was backbreaking labor. And that was just stacking wood. I would like to challenge Ballerina Farms followers who were like, oh, my gosh, like what a beautiful life to just stack some fucking wood and, and or milk a cow or muck, muck some shit out of a stall because. I don't think it would seem so pretty then. Well, maybe that's why they're following it, right? It's sort of the idea of how I love reading cooking memoirs. I can Mm. barely boil an egg, as you know, but I can fulfill some sort of fantasy that requires no responsibility on my part of reading about people cooking. I mean, I love to read Ruth Reichel, but I can't do anything. So maybe they don't want to do the backbreaking labor of chopping where they just want to watch someone do it. I just don't understand why I can't get six million followers with an account of me just eating cheese. I bet you could, but I might be an OnlyFans account. 
<laughs> do you think that we could make money on only OnlyFans? Oh, absolutely. I think we could. I think there is a kink for everything, and you should just pick the thing that's most enjoyable and put yourself on OnlyFans and see how much money starts coming in. Do you think that's a, that's an that's an episode of Under the Influence? Absolutely. Put yourself on OnlyFans eating cheese. See what happens. There you have it, friends. I'm joining OnlyFans. That's the next frontier. Next frontier of Under the Influence. Joe joins OnlyFans to create her cheese-eating channel. Keep that image in your mind and have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.